Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This is a replay from last year with one of my biggest writing inspirations, Dame Jacqueline Wilson. Her 111th novel, that is insane, had come out around the time of this episode called Love Frankie and we talk about that book in this episode. We also talk about her journey into being one of the nation's most loved writers, her writing process, why she's always wanted to discuss deeper issues and themes within her books for children, her trouble with computers and why she loves meeting her young readers. I remember being so excited for this episode. It was in the middle of one of the first lockdowns and we got to do it in person. So I was so happy because meeting Jacqueline Wilson on Zoom probably wouldn't have been as exciting. So it was such a joy to meet her and talk to her. And I hope you enjoy listening to this replay. I posted on Instagram that I was interviewing you today and it was honestly like I was interviewing five of the Spice Girls. You are such an icon to millennial women. I mean, of all generations, but especially my generation. We grew up with your books and it's just such a thrill to have you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Emma. That's a lovely start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I will start off by asking you, just going kind of back... I mean, so many people have memories of you as well from their childhood. Um, A lot of people were saying, oh, I love her books. But also so many people messaged me saying that they'd met you or that you'd come to a play when someone had put on a play of the book or that it was in a library or in a school. I mean, that's been a huge part of your career, hasn't it? You haven't just sat at home writing. You've met the children. I certainly have. I mean, I always was determined to um, get out and about as much as I possibly could, do schools, do libraries, do any festivals. Um, and then um, I I was married for a long time. Then I was single for about six years. And during those six years, I thought, right, I've got now to make my own money And that was a wonderful incentive. So I started to say yes to absolutely everything. So sometimes I'd be going out three, even four times a week, sometimes long journeys to get to a school to do, say, three events in one day, which is a bit of a killer, and and then go home sort of trying to write a bit on the train. So it was hard work, but I enjoyed it very much. And it kept me completely in touch with what children like. Because if you're talking or reading to an adult audience, generally, if you're lucky, even if they're bored silly or you're irritating them, they sit up straight and pretend to be interested. With children, if you see them slumping or picking their noses or putting their hands up because they say they want to go to the loo, they're bored. So you learn how (laughs) to try and do things that, that they will enjoy and get something from. And If you do something that you're quite frightened of, because I was terrified at first, if you do it again and again and again, it gets so much easier. So um, that that was really, I mean, I was relatively well known by the time I was newly single, but I was a lot better known (laughs) by the the time I got my lovely new partner. Um, And uh, and she worked in the book trade knew who I was I'd actually done an event with her and therefore she was completely laid back about me going out and doing as much as I possibly could and writing a great deal so it was never any problem Mm. and I've been able to carry on more or less ever since. 
That's amazing because I guess being around the age group or the audience that you are writing for must help trigger memories or trigger ideas because I guess I wanted to ask you as well how you can keep that teenage feeling so fresh because in your new book Love Frankie which we'll talk about later and also Girls in Love that series that I read when I was younger it was amazing how much you could channel that quite intense feeling. I think it's it's quite easy for me. Um, I think because I've got very vivid memories of my childhood and my teenage years. Um, And although life has changed so much, particularly for teenagers, I think, um, emotions don't change and worries about, you know, have you got a best friend? Have you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And what are you going to do when you grow up? And, uh, you know, you either can't stand your parents or your younger sister or brother or you're going through one of those bleak times when everything seems awful and then there's this fantastic time. I can remember all those different moods and feelings and so I just have to dress them up in in sort of current ways and, and hope for the best. I don't try and use extremely modern slang because it takes it takes six months to a year to write a book and then probably the same to actually have it published. And by that time, if you use a, a buzzword that is really considered cool now, it will have dated by the time it actually comes out. Mm-hmm. And then if you're lucky, it'll stay in print for a long time anyway. So I try, try to generalise things and fudge a bit in my teenage books because most teenagers care about the way they look and the sort of clothes they wear. And I try not to be ultra specific because, you know, it dates so quickly. Mm, it's probably the same with social media platforms and things oh. like that. Well, I, I I have had to get crafty with teenage novels in that once or twice, oh dear, my girls have actually lost their mobile phone or it's broken or it's been confiscated or something because it spoils almost every plot because if you can get in touch with someone so quickly and find out what they're thinking and if you if you are being um teased or bullied at school probably you know it there will be nasty things on on your mobile phone but not really the most exciting literary things if you you just have text speak or, or whatever. So I tend to ignore most of that and mm. just hope for the best. You started writing when you were really young. And I mean, I read somewhere that you wrote your first novel when you were nine years old. <laughs> um, did you have anyone encouraging you or was it just this innate need to write? Definitely. I just wanted to do it. Um, my parents, I mean, I grew up on a council estate. My parents were very down-to-earth people. They weren't into, um, I was their only daughter, um, but they weren't into having aspirations for me. Um, My mum just wanted me to get an office job and not work in a shop or a factory. So that was as far as she got. I don't think my dad even thought about it. Sadly, um, I could have gone on to do A-levels at school, but neither of my parents had, you know, gone on to further education and saw absolutely no reason why I should. And so um, I I didn't have a chance to go to university, uh, which now is one of my few regrets. But um, even more than 
carrying on and maybe getting to read English or something like that. I just had this burning ambition to write. And at school, I had a nice English teacher um, who was certainly very inspirational when it to- when she told me what to read because I, I read right across the board but didn't really have that much idea of what was part of the literary canon and what wasn't. Um, but even she didn't particularly encourage me with writing and said, well, you're not ever going to be able to make a career out of writing. So try and think of something else you could do. Maybe you could work as a publisher's reader or something like that, which I thought quite a good idea because I love reading. But still, all the time I wanted to write. And I was lucky enough to get a job as a very junior journalist at 17, which was possible in those days. And um, so I can say I've been earning my living by writing ever since. Wow, that's amazing. And did you used to write your first drafts by hand? Yes, in fact, up to about 10 years ago, maybe even maybe only about five years ago, I like to write everything by hand. I'm a stationary addict. And, you know, the more beautiful um, a manuscript book is, the more exciting it is to have a legitimate reason for using it. And I, I, so I would write an entire novel by hand and then I would type it out. And it was a good way of doing things because for the second draft, somehow or other, using a different medium it it made me more become less of a writer more of a critic more of a teacher type figure and um, that was fine but it takes such a long time and um, and my writing as I've got older has got more and more illegible and so um, after a bit I thought okay let, <laughs> let's just try typing straight onto the computer which I have done it's more frightening because I am a technophobe and I just have to look at a computer and, and things disappear. Um, so I'm always in agony about, you know, where is it? What's happened? And in fact, currently, my old computer is now menopausal and it keeps having hot flushes. And I have had to buy a new computer queuing up for ages outside an, an apple shop and then I said cheerfully so can you set it all up for me and you establish word and everything to be told no sorry um, because of Covid we can't do any of that so it hasn't come out of its box yet but I have kind <laughs> friends who have promised there that's all right <laughs> we'll transfer things across to your new baby and everything will be fine and I'm trying to believe them. <laughs> I love that. That's such a process, I think, to people's writing, kind of even beyond just the the writing itself. So interesting. And with Love, Frankie, um, I actually wondered, because it's obviously out now, did you write it before COVID or did you write some of it? I mean, in fact, it was meant to be published in March this year, but it became clear that that wasn't going to be a good idea. And um, on the, it's either the first or second page, Frankie, who's, 13 going on 14 and would like to be a writer and she's starting writing a story in a notebook with skulls she's a slightly gothic girl on on the on the wrappers round it but she starts to write about a global plague that affects so many people. And I had absolutely no wow. idea that we would be living in these frightening times. So um, I, I could say I'm the very first person 
<laughs> to mention the the whole horror of COVID. But um, uh, I no, so it's it was a while ago that I wrote it. Um, but it's the sort of novel that that kind of stays with you for the most part, which is just as well because I've written so many. They do tend some of them after two or three years. It's quite an effort to remember even the names of my main characters. Of course. Well, this is your one hundred and eleventh yes. novel. That does sound it's ridiculous. It's a lot of novels. So Frankie takes a big shining to a girl in her class, Sally, and we kind of learn about the the layered nuance of love, regardless that it's two girls, but it's not quite unrequited, but it's kind of complicated and it's not very straightforward, like all teenage crushes and yes. interests are. But did the characters come to you first or, or did you want to write about two girls? Well, I had I've been thinking for a while that I needed to write another teenage book um, because I used to practically alternate books between ones for, say, secondary school readers and ones for key stage two readers. And then I thought I haven't written many teenage books the last few years, partly because um, I'm not on social media myself and um, it's a rare teenager that isn't. And um, I didn't want to sound a bit out of my depth as if I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, But then I thought, no, come on, let's, let's write for say girls in year nine, something like that, and then younger ones who want to can read it and older ones who quite like my books can still read it. And um, and I think even now, falling in love is often the main concern um, of teenagers. Either they have fallen in love or they don't fall in love or inevitably the person that you suddenly have all these intense feelings for probably doesn't reciprocate and and even though outside many people manage to stay so cool and you know seem so popular with everybody inside I'm sure so many people are just feeling anxious and worried and yet thrilled and excited too so I thought about okay um, let's write about falling in love and you mentioned the Girls in Love series, and they have been some of the most popular books I've ever written, though I wrote them a long time ago now. Incidentally, shall I tell you how I came to write them? This was when I stuck to my typewriter for a long, long time, and then I knew I jolly well had to have a computer, and I was staying overnight with my lovely daughter who had a beautiful state-of-the-art computer, and she said, oh, come on, Mum do give it a go, look, it's quite easy. And so I started typing and I hated it. I really did. And uh, because I was a touch typer, um, the keyboard felt so wrong and I was just typing out the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog and things like that, feeling so frustrated. And then I thought, no, stop it. Pretend you're writing a story. And then I thought, well, I had been thinking right about some teenage girls. And so I I wrote down the name Ellie just came to me and what she was like and Nadine and what she was like. And then I thought another name, okay, Magda. And then I wrote two or three pages 
screenfuls on on Emma's computer. And by the time I had established their characters and what they were like and maybe what was going to happen in the book, I had actually learned to use <laughs> in a very basic way that computer. So so that was inspirational for me. But um, I I really felt that I was touching something that a lot of teenage girls really were interested in and how much friendship matters and um, how, yes, you want a boyfriend, but is it kind of a, a status thing? And um, and you, you've got so much going on in your lives too. And so I wasn't exactly writing about what I was like when I was a teenage girl, but I thought... I want to get this this feeling all over again and and I thought I thought of lots of emails that I've had over the years from girls and some boys too about why don't you write about a gay character showing what it's really like for them and I had generally written back saying well yes I take your point but I generally write about people with problems or issues and I said I don't really think there should be any problem you know if you're gay you're gay if you're straight you're straight um I was slightly fudging things because it can be difficult particularly if you come from a very old-fashioned family or perhaps a religious family or a family from a, a culture which finds the whole homosexual issue troubling um and so I thought okay let's give it a go and show that no matter what sexuality you are or whether you're just horrified at the very idea of (laughs) identifying yourself as a particular sexual type of person, um, this is just what it's like to fall in love. And so that, that was how I started off. And I wanted an endearing girl um, for my central character, but a girl who isn't the prettiest in the class or the the one who's the team captain, the one who would wear a rah-rah skirt if she was at an American school or something. No, just ordinary, um, funny, untidy, messy teenage girl and show what it's like for her and probably when Frankie was younger I mean you know her her mum would probably have told her and her sisters you know all about the basics facts of life and the different choices but Frankie probably hadn't even thought it through she might have had some inkling yeah maybe maybe I like girls more than boys and yet her very best friend is Sam the lovely boy next door and so when she does fall for Sally which is a very difficult choice because <laughs> you never quite know whether Sally's just playing along and just wanting to have a bit of fun or whatever. Um, I wanted to show what it's like for your average girl. Yes, yes. And I think a reason why I love the book so much is because it did remind me so much of Girls in Love and, and, and how I felt. And I felt like this has got that, it's got the same sort of um, feeling to it, just that excitement and also how self-conscious you can be as a teen. And I think that's why your books have resonated so much because reading your books, you, at least you've got a friend in the book. They become your friends and, and they become very comforting. I, I love the idea of feeling that, that characters in a book are your friends. I remember I went to 
um, a, a rather high-flown literature class for a while. And um, I, I said something about, well, I think it must have been Jane Eyre or something like that. And I said, yeah, I really want Jane as a best friend. And the person uh, sort of giving the class said something quite patronising, like, oh, Jackie, don't be so childish. And yet, surely you want the main character <laughs> about to be even if they're a bad person you want to find them endearing and and interesting and so I I do try and do that in my in my own books definitely and I wondered in general with the promotion of this book um, I've had quite an interesting year with people kind of asking me about my personal life because of my novel and people thinking that I'm the character and and it happens so much I think with female writers more than men weirdly this book has sort of been tied to you a little bit with the timing of your own personal news it doesn't seem like news it should never have been a headline but you know what I mean well this is it in that I knew that if I wrote a book about a girl falling in love with another girl and particularly because I write in the first person a lot of people would think hello is is Jackie Gay herself and um, in actual fact in the book world um, everybody I think knew because um, I've been with Trish my partner 18 years and she was in the book world too and you know we go to parties and conferences and things together and all my friends and family knew and people that lived near me but I hadn't actually ever literally stood up made a statement because I didn't really think that was necessary particularly at my age and um, but I thought yeah there is going to be a lot of interest in this and people are going to feel it's autobiographical which it isn't but I thought I will now sort of reiterate the fact that I'm not appropriating anybody else's um, lifestyle or experiences in that, yes, I am living very happily with my long-term partner. However, I didn't go through any um, angst-ridden worry and uncertainty in my teens um, because, I don't know, I think I've always been quite open-minded And basically, for me, it's more a question of who I fall in love with rather than I've never had a particular type of person. And it doesn't really matter to me what somebody looks like or indeed what sex they are. Um, It's just, are they fun to be with? Do do they like reading too? Are they amusing? Are they kind? Um, And... Uh, uh, I was married to a man for many years and um, and then I was single for six years and now it's 18 years with Trish. These have been the best years. Um, but, and, and, you know, she's, she's there forever, one hopes. Um, but I, I, I find it difficult to say I'm 100% this or 100% that because, you know, it it just depends on who you might meet. Exactly. And I think that's what's so inspiring, I find, about the younger generation now as well, is there's this fluidity to their existence, it, it feels like. We don't have to stamp a label on anything as much. I think that's one of the most wonderful things in that, you know, you can just be yourself. I mean... Most people can. Sometimes families put 
pressure on people or or circumstances are different. But for nowadays, for the first time, as far as I'm aware, for for a long, long time, you you can just wait. You can just see what happens, and um, it's it's so much easier. And and I think. Well, it varies. Young young people are mostly much more relaxed and and tolerant um, about most things. Um, so it it just seems a nice world in that respect. Yes, exactly. And the more books we have about it as well, just it feels like it's becoming not even a topic to discuss. Yes, just it's just there. In, yes, in the libraries on the shelves. That that is. I think it's when things are you know break through and you you don't you don't have to say well this is a book that sits on a shelf about gay issues this is a book that sits on a shelf about disability issues or it it, it i mean you know if, if this is an exciting book or a funny book is 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 a much better description totally it's interesting to me looking back on your books as an adult because of course, when I was a child, I wasn't analysing your books in any way. I was just reading them and I was in them. And now I look back and think, wow, you really, you've got a lot of issues into your books in a very natural way. None of the families were ever perfect. No family is ever perfect. It's never just like your mum and your dad and the perfect two children. And I mean, is that that's something that you've always done? If you Do you want to kind of do that forever? Even though I've somehow sometimes tried to write about a conventional happy family. I don't know what it is inside me, but by the end of the first chapter, some big problem has reared its ugly head. I know when I was young, I I read avidly, but a lot of the world that I was reading about in children's books um, was a, a glorified version and mums and dads stayed together and um, siblings might squabble a bit but even they didn't have the violent arguments that you know some siblings have it it was more idealized and really major problems didn't ever seem to crop up and I do remember thinking I even wrote rather pompously in my diary as a little girl about you know about Ina Blyton books and saying you know her her characters never have fights or have embarrassing things happen to them and mums and dads are always kind and everything and I said if I ever get to be a writer (laughs) I want to write about how it really is I did from quite a young age prefer reading about children but in adult books because I found the children's lives there could be much more interesting Um, and I was a great fan of a child actress called Mandy Miller and nearly all her films she she played a little deaf girl she played a girl whose father was a criminal she she played um, there were several of of sort of slightly dodgy fathers um, and a, a girl whose mother has a terrible accident and she's a major ballet dancer um, so these these were just absolutely wonderful for me because it showed me that, that other people thought the same way and that uh, I wasn't just a strange morbid child that, that other people wanted to see people with problems but work their way through them 
and then you feel less alone reading them because yes. actually everyone's a bit weirder than they make out. I think in one of your books, and I can't actually remember which one now, but there is there's a child who really struggles to sleep. She gets scared going to sleep. She thinks something bad's going to happen or something like that. And I had massive insomnia as a child. And just reading that, I was like, oh, my God, it's not just me. And that's just such a such a random example. Oh, but-, but that's lovely to feel that because, you know, I want I want my books to be as if, you know, there's a hand being held out saying, it's OK, you know, I go through this too and lots of other people do. We're not alone and we're not weird and strange. Exactly. This This happens. So, yeah, just lastly, I I know this is a dreaded question that I actually hate being asked, but are you working on a next book at the moment? Or I know that you're always working on something, so... Well, um, yes, I'm in the middle of promoting Love, Frankie, but also I have managed to finish a new Victorian book for slightly younger children, I would say 7 to 12s, um, about two very different girls, one rich slightly spoilt but rather neglected child who, with clever reasons of the plot, fetches up with a, a ragged little child off the streets who's had to fend for themselves and they run away. It's called The Runaway Girls. And um, that is now finished. And now I'm working on another book, um, which is a modern one, and um, I won't say exactly what that one's about just yet, but um, I've become really quite absorbed in it. So um, hence, hence the worrying thing that uh, um, most of it is on my old computer, which is about to expire. And I very much hope my kind friend in the village will be able to transfer it onto the new computer because the very idea of having to start all over again just makes you want to lie down and scream. Oh, my God, I bet. <laughs> I mean, do you always have ideas come to you quite easily? It's just that in the this pandemic, something I have heard from people is that their ideas and their creativity have been a little bit zapped. I've found it almost the opposite. Um, I've had very vivid dreams. And um, I, I think partly because it's been such a worrying time. I mean, for me... Um, I, I have my daily routine hasn't changed much because I'm mostly at home writing or reading and I've got big gardens that I can take my dog for a walk in and when I was um, shielding during lockdown um, you know it was quite possible to take some proper exercise as well so everything was reasonably okay for me but obviously you worry about other people that you know and very sad things have happened um, but I did find um, I had lots of time to write and because a lot of people were having to work from home, work slowed down just a little bit of extra things to do. However, there were lots of um, very worthwhile compilations uh, where people said you know would I like to contribute to this or that or make a little film for a charity mm-hmm. or so 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 there was that sort of thing oh in the but, NHS book oh I I am just such a fan of Adam mm-hmm. Kay and I, I hooted with laughter over his book um and so it was lovely to contribute that and he I don't know whether he did it for everyone he's such a nice man I'm sure he did but he wrote me the most beautiful sweet personal letter oh, oh, it's lovely. just 
yeah, num- number one. Well, well, I have various different men. I'm also very fond of Richard Osman, who I met once, and I've just read his very funny detective story yes, too. Yes, I love so that. There, there are some lovely guys around. People think because sometimes the dads in my books um, aren't don't always pass muster, but then neither do the mums. Um, that I'm kind of anti-male, but I think. A lot of my very best friends are men and they are two stars. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for today. That was totally wonderful. I had so much to ask you, so I hope I got it all in. But um, thank you for Love Frankie and for all the books over the years. I'll stop now, but thank you. (laughs) Well, it's been great to talk to you, Emma, and good luck for not only your Olive, which is doing very well, I think, and then you've got another book, a a non-fiction book out? Yes, I have, yes. It's out at she on Thursday. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, very best of luck to that too. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>